Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Sin was great, but Jesus is greater. That's truth, and it's truth that we live by here because we love Jesus and we love him for what he's done. And uh, I want to begin with this this morning. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Now, some of you might be sitting there saying, what did he just do? And others, others of you, probably pretty familiar with that. If you have any Catholic background, as I do, uh, was born into a Catholic family and went to Catholic school before, as a young boy, my family began to explore faith and, uh, evident, and, and eventually made a move. But this was something that was this was something that was just standard in everything that we did. For every prayer that we ever prayed, we began it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We ended it with that. Uh, there was meaning to this. There was meaning to this. The Catholics call it the sign of the cross, or they'll say that they cross themselves. Uh, it was just a simple thing, but it, it meant something. It was a reminder. It was a reminder of the cross, first of all. And it was also a reminder of the triunity, the trinity of God. And, of course, it was said out loud. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, de- depending on when you learned this or where you learned it. And this was something that's been done for hundreds of years now in uh, the Catholic faith. You would even hold your fingers to represent the Trinity. Your thumb and your two fingers would be three, and that would represent the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Or you may actually hold them uh, making an I and a C and an X, which uh, it's actually I-X-C. That's Jesus Christ Savior, the the letters, uh, Greek letters that represent the first uh, letters of the words. It had deep meaning. Deep meaning, but you know, as a kid, I learned this. And of course, if we didn't do it in, in school or in church, you know, the nuns might have, you know, cuffed us on the back of the head. And uh, you know, this thing just became uh, kind of rote. It became kind of motions, and it, it lost meaning. And I'm not saying that it did that for everybody, but. Uh, for me, just, you know, doing these things, it, it really lost any kind of sense of what it was supposed to really mean. And I think that can happen to us sometimes. We, we need to be reminded of the Trinity. We need to uh, talk about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus talked about his father. He said, I and the father are one. He said, I have uh, come not to do my own will, but the will of the father who sent me. And I think we often keep the father and the son and focus 
they're a big deal. But sometimes this third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, sometimes I don't think we appreciate the Holy Spirit as we should, or we take for granted the significance of the Holy Spirit as I took for granted making these motions and these signs and what they meant. And sometimes I don't think we just acknowledge the place of the Holy Spirit in our life. We sing about the, the, the cross. We sing about Jesus. Uh, we can sing about the good, good Father, but the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. And you might say, well, what, what is the big deal about the Holy Spirit? We've talked about it. After all, we've talked about Him. We've talked about the Holy Spirit the past couple months. If you've been here, you know that, that we've talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit in us are as the breath of God in us. We talked about that early in June. Uh, we talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit working in our life and desiring the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but seeking first, seeking first just the gift giver, seeking first the Holy Spirit. We also talked about that this past Wednesday. We had a great, great evening and a good time of prayer to focus on the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We could say all of this regarding the Holy Spirit is a big deal, and it is. But this morning, I want to get to a real root about this. What's the big deal about the Holy Spirit? I want to get to an essence, a core, regarding this third person of the Trinity and see Him. See Him as enormous. See Him as huge. See Him as a huge deal that should be in our life. And I want to begin from the Word of God. I want to begin from the Old Testament. Now, the Bible is full of references about the Holy Spirit. Hundreds of references. You'll find the majority lean to the New Testament. But I'm going to begin with a passage from the prophet Isaiah. And if you have your Bible, if you have your electronic device, a phone, a tablet, if you have your paper Bible, Open it up to Isaiah chapter 44. And this is where I want to begin today. In Isaiah chapter 44, at the beginning of this chapter, the prophet reveals a promise from God about this, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Let's read uh, the first five verses of Isaiah chapter 44. It reads this way, but now listen, Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen, this is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb, and who will help you not be afraid. Jacob, my servant, Yeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. Some will say, I belong to the Lord. Others will call themselves by the name Jacob. Still others will write on their hand the Lord's and will take the name Israel. This passage, this, this little section from the book of Isaiah is one of those 
interesting passages from the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit is promised. And I want us to notice this morning, to whom is this promise made? Let's look at that. This promise, this promise was made, we read, to the offspring and the descendants of Jacob. Now, who was Jacob? He was the man whose name was changed to Israel. So he really was the founder of this nation that was called Israel. He's referred to in this passage in in an idealized fashion. There's a name that we don't hear very often. We, We read this name and it's Yeshurun. And this is a reference that's really an idealized picture of Israel. And it means the upright one. So you, Jacob, the upright one, Israel. This is who this passage is referred to. Now, Jacob was the grandson of Abraham. There was Abraham. Then Abraham had his son Isaac. And he had Ishmael. He had other sons. But he had Isaac. Isaac was the son of the promise. The promise that this line or this this nation would form that would be chosen by God. And we read that also in the passage. You're chosen. So Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. He had Jacob and Esau. Jacob was, again, the son of the promise. And this grandson of Abraham was called Israel. The start of it all was Abraham. Isaac was his descendant, his offspring. Jacob was Isaac's descendant, his offspring. Then hundreds of years later, Isaiah writes this passage. He gives this word of prophecy to the nation of Israel, which is now many, many thousands of people, millions. And he refers to them as Jacob because that, that, that's their lineage. That's their heritage. It's like the father of the country. And here is a promise. Here is a promise. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring, my blessing on your descendants. So who does this promise belong to? Who are these descendants of Israel? Who are the offspring of Israel? And we find answers to this question. We find them in the Bible. Now here I I go to the New Testament, which gives us a direct answer, a direct answer to this question, who are these descendants of Israel? And I give to you from the Apostle Paul, his letter to the Romans, Romans chapter 9 discusses all of the descendants of Israel. And I'll give you a couple of verses. Romans 9, verses 6 through 8. It says, It is not as though God's word had failed. For not all who are descendants from Israel are Israel. Now, I just want to stop right there for a minute and take that in. Understand what that says. All who are descended from Israel are not Israel. Well, that's interesting. So there's the, the lead into the rest of what Paul's saying here. He's, he's letting us know there's something different about these descendants. It's not all natural. Not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. We go on. Nor because they are his descendants 
are they Abraham's children? Okay, he reiterates the point. He's not talking about a natural lineage, is he? Not all who are Israel are Israel. And by the way, not all of these descendants are Abraham's children. Then he goes on. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Almost sounds like he's going back to the natural. But he explains. In other words, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children. So he just states it. He states it emphatically. It is not. It is not the children by physical descent who are God's children. But it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. It's not bloodline. It's not genetics. What is the lineage of Jacob? What is the lineage of Israel? What is, what is the apostle talking about? He's talking to people who are Romans. They are not, they're not Jews necessarily. They're not blood Jews. But he says, listen, you've got this promise. You are descendants of Abraham. Why? Because it's a line of faith. It's a, it's a line that's built on faith in Jesus Christ. It's not a line that comes through natural birth. The real offspring, the real descendants of Israel are offspring by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in him and you've taken him as your Lord and Savior, you can say, I'm a, I'm, I'm a descendant, I'm an offspring of Abraham. I'm an offspring of Isaac and Jacob. I'm in the line. I'm in the line of promise. And Paul confirms this. He confirmed it in his letter to the Galatians. In Galatians chapter 3, uh, where these people had got off, the, the Galatians had got off and tried to follow the natural. They tried to follow the flesh. And when you read Galatians 3, that's clear. And Paul tries to explain it to them. And I'll give you a couple lines, a couple verses in Galatians 3, verse 7. He said, therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. There it is again. It's not natural lineage. And at the end of the chapter, verse 29, he says, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs, according to the promise. You're an heir. You're in the line when you're Christ's. Now, there's another interesting aspect about to whom this promise is made. So it's made to this line of faith. It's made to the descendants of Israel that are, that are in the line by faith. And then we need to take note that it's to Israel, to Jacob, not an individual, but a people. Israel, it said, who God has chosen and to whom he said, I made you. I formed you in the womb. See, there's a blessing of promise there that is made to the natural line. He talks about it, but it's, it's equally extended. It's equally extended to the spiritual line as well. We are heirs of the promise. We are chosen. God formed us. God formed the church. His hand has been upon it. And the prophet alludes uh, to who are these heirs? He alludes to it as he writes, some will say, I belong to the Lord. Others will, they'll say, I'm of Jacob. And then there's those who will just write on their hand, the Lord's. 
and they will take the name of Israel. That's because they weren't part of the natural line. So even though Isaiah began with this promise that said, I formed you in the womb and I chose you, he ended that promise by alluding to the fact that it was going to be a people, a people who were not natural lineage. There is a diversity there in the, in the words that Isaiah chose. Some will say, I'm of the Lord, and some will say, I'm uh, of Jacob, and others will just write on their hand the Lord's. There's a diversity of lineage here that transcends the physical. It transcends the physical, and it becomes the spiritual. All of us here who call on the name of Jesus Christ, then we've transcended that physical. That's why Paul could say, therefore there is Neither Jew nor Greek nor bond nor free, neither is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And then the next line, which we already read, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs to the promise. And this promise is a promise of God. It was a promise of God that Isaiah made to pour out, to pour out the spirit of the living God on the offspring of Abraham. We're offspring of Abraham. That promise belongs to us. To those who have overcome the fallen world by faith in Christ and have received that salvation from their fallen state, we're heirs to the promise. We have that salvation. And in salvation, in this great thing that we call salvation, it's not just Jesus. And it's not just the Father. In the work of salvation that we've all come to to enjoy when we've come to Christ, the work of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all involved. The Trinity is involved. The, The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are represented spiritually together in concert regarding the salvation of the fallen world. God the Father so loved the world that he gave his only Son And why did he give his only son? To take on our human form, to take on our nature. And to take on this nature to die as a sacrifice for sin. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God the Son also loved us. He loved us. The word of God said so much that he gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. That's in the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. After his offering on that cross, Jesus was resurrected to life. He came back from the dead. The tomb was open. Christ was resurrected. And later he ascended into heaven. And in that same letter to the Ephesians, Paul states, he ascended on high. Jesus ascended on high and he gives gifts. He gives gifts. To his people in keeping with his word and what was promised soon after Jesus ascended on high he sent a gift he sent the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit down from heaven to, to his disciples to guide them into all truth to qualify them for their work in, in the ministry to support them under all the trials and tribulations that they would experience to comfort them in every affliction that they would face and to sanctify them to set them apart to make them holy and prepare them for an eternal life in heaven this Holy Spirit and all his interaction with mankind he was to abide with God's people he was to abide with God's people to the very end of time And he has come down and he has 
continuing to do that to this very day, abiding with his people. God so loved the world that he sent his son. The son so loved the world that he gave his life. And the love of the Spirit, the love of the Holy Spirit is at work. Anytime a sinner is awakened, anytime a sinner is convinced and convicted of sin, anytime a sinner is repentant and redeemed and saved, the work of the Holy Spirit is obvious and evident. All of us, all that, that have come to this salvation, we, we need to give the credit to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was active in drawing us and, and wooing us, and, and we need to ascribe to him the gracious and compassionate, powerful work that he did to bring us to salvation, and that's a big deal. That's a big deal because it brought us from death to life, and how much of a bigger deal could there be than that? The Bible uh, speaks often about the Holy Spirit. It uses all kinds of great images the breath of the Spirit, which we've talked about, the wind of the Spirit, the oil of the Holy Spirit, the fire of the Spirit. We could use all these images, but today, today we've used the water of the Spirit. Isaiah depicted the Holy Spirit, the water of the Spirit, with a great picture. Using this illustration of water, he said, I will pour out water on a thirsty land and streams on a dry ground. Picture a barren, arid place. Picture a place that's been suffering drought. Think about all the people that in California for years, they had problems and troubles because drought plagued them. But then water comes. Water comes. And how did Isaiah describe it? He says, they will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. That water is something. That water is necessary. Life requires water. It's a necessity. In the natural, we need it. We need water. That's why this great picture is there for us to to see and to take it in. How how important it is. Water is life-giving. Without it, We're in trouble. We need hydration. We need water as life-sustaining. We not only drink it and take it in on the inside to give us life, but we immerse ourselves in it or we shower it over us to keep us dry, to to keep us washed and clean. Uh, Without it, what happens? Without it, we get crusty. We get crusty on the outside. We get parched and thirsty on the inside. Dryness occurs. Mobility decreases. Skin breaks. You ever get that dry skin in winter? I get it. I got, I, I, my skin's not good. I, I have bad skin. As a kid, I was plagued with, with really dry, dry skin. In the wintertime, all my knuckles would crack right across the tips. They would just break. As soon as I'd uh, I'd move my hands or make a fist, all of them, it seemed, would just open up because uh, of the dryness, the lack of humidity in in houses during the winter. When that happens and your skin splinters up and it cracks, we need moisture. We need hydration to be parched and thirsty. That's a miserable experience. I mean, have you ever had a day where you've been working hard out in the yard or something and, and you're thirsty and oh, how great it is to get that drink when you get inside to, 
to go to your refrigerator, go to your faucet and get a drink of cool water to be parched, to be thirsty, to be dry. If we don't take care of it, it's going to lead to certain death because water is necessary. It's life-sustaining. We need it to exist. Water is an existential need in the natural as much as the Holy Spirit is necessary to exist in the spiritual. And that's the picture. That's the promise that Isaiah gave. It's life. And that's the evidence we see in the actions of the Holy Spirit. That's the evidence we see as the Holy Spirit is documented in the New Testament. It's the evidence we we're singing about this morning. Your grace so free washes over me. There's again a picture of the washing of the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't send the Holy Spirit as, as just an appendix to his ministry. He didn't send the Holy Spirit to be some stand-in substitute who was a blurry image of who Jesus was just to fill a, a void that he left uh, until he came back again. He was not some cheap imitation. No, he, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is the living application of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And he's active in the lives of believers. He's active in the lives of Christians to walk with them, beside them, to infill them, to lead them, and to direct them. This is a living application of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And it's full of blessing. It's full of blessing to all who believe. The blessings of the Holy Spirit are, are innumerable. There are many. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will testify of him. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit glorifies and testifies of Jesus Christ. And, and thus the Holy Spirit is active in leading sinners to repentance because he, he glorifies and he testifies of Jesus Christ. He emboldens faith so that the sinner can be born again. The Spirit regenerates this, the spirit of man. He washes, he resurrects a spirit dead and trespasses in sin, bringing it over from death to life. Death is arrested. Death is arrested and life begins. And that's not just a great deal. It's a big deal. It's a great deal because it's a free gift. It's a big deal because it's from death to life. And it's a big deal because when you're born again, when you're born again and you, you have taken on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, death and hell and Satan, what do they got on you? They got nothing on you. They've got nothing on you anymore. And that's a big deal. It's a big deal. And the Holy Spirit is active in, in uh, uh, leading to that. He's an active part of that. But there's more. But there's more blessings. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. He'll bring to our mind and to our remembrance the works and the teachings of Jesus Christ. The Word of God says the Holy Spirit guides into all truth. The Holy Spirit makes Christ known to us and in us. The Holy Spirit leads us. The Holy Spirit leads us in holiness to sanctify us, in other words, to, to set us apart, to make us holy before God. The Spirit fills us and dwells in us. The Spirit empowers us. The Spirit empowers us and anoints us in our service and ministry. The Spirit empowers our prayer. The Spirit empowers our worship. The Spirit testifies in us that we are children of God. He seals us and he marks us as God's very own children. And the Holy Spirit guarantees for us also a resurrection, a bodily resurrection in the future to come. These are all big deals and they're all blessings of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? 
I'm not done. I can go on. The Holy Spirit is the giver of gifts. The Holy Spirit gives gifts of wisdom and of knowledge and of faith and of healing and, and of discernment and of unknown languages and helps and, and ministries and more. He's a gift giver, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit offers liberty. The Holy Spirit brings unity. The Holy Spirit comforts. He counsels. He's an advocate for us. He intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit cultivates in us the bearing of the fruit of the Spirit, which are the marks. This Holy Spirit, if he's, if he's cultivating in you something and he's cultivating you in you, the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit or the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, these are the marks which uh, characterize us as a person who's hydrated with this living water. They are the marks that characterize us as someone who's growing like that poplar tree by a stream, like someone who's growing like the, the grass in a meadow that's springing up and bearing fruit, fruit of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These, these fruit of the Spirit and all these blessings that I named, and there are more. They're big deals. They're big deals. And they come, they come only by availing yourself to this life-giving flow, this life-sustaining, uh, life-giving blessing, the infused water of the Holy Spirit. And I want to ask you a question today. I want to ask you, are you full of that water this morning? Does your cup overflow with the outpouring of the Spirit. Can you say, can you say with genuine sincerity, can you say that out of you flows a river of living water? That was what Jesus said in John chapter 7, for out of you will flow a, living, a, a, a river of living water. Can you say that today? Or are you, are you spiritually dehydrated? Are you dry? Are you thirsty? Are you in an arid place? Have you perhaps taken for granted some of these blessings of the Holy Spirit? Has it just become rote, a sign that is meaningless? Have you not been acknowledging all of these great, wonderful Big deal blessings of the Holy Spirit. In any of these areas, any of these areas that I mentioned, any of these areas of blessing of the Spirit, we can become dry. And are we as empowered as we should be in our prayer life? Or has it gotten a little crusty? What about our worship life? Is the Holy Spirit empowering our worship? Are we worshiping in spirit and in truth? Or are we a little parched there? Maybe it's a struggle with one of the fruits of the Spirit. Patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, showing the joy of your salvation. Maybe your faith has waned. Maybe your faith is a little dry and you doubt this seal that the Holy Spirit has placed upon you as a true child of God. Perhaps you question your gifts. Perhaps you question your callings. 
in your service area, in your area of ministry. Oh, maybe that's not the place I need to be. The Holy Spirit really didn't put me there. Is it a little dry? These are all examples. Areas of our life that can become chapped. They can become crusty, dry. Sort of like this little bit of, uh, little bit of sponge I brought here today. I brought this little bit of sponge. It's totally dry. Think of it as one of those areas. If you have an area in your life that's become a little chapped and dry, and you know it, you realize it, you've heard some of them today, yeah, maybe, maybe it is prayer, maybe it is a fruit of the Spirit. It needs to be saturated. It needs to be saturated. Just like I put that sponge in the water there, that part of your life needs to be availed to the outpouring water, that life-giving water of the Holy Spirit. How can you get that river moving? How can you get that river of blessing? How can you get this, this saturation in this arid place in your life? One, I say, is simply begin to acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Don't take him for granted. Don't relegate him to some support staff of the Trinity. You know, he's not just like the tech support line whenever your life is in, in some kind of turmoil or, oh yeah, I need the Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is, is equal in the Godhead, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I know our minds uh, really have a tough time comprehending all this, but the Holy Spirit is God. Acknowledge him as such daily, every day. Thank God for his spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit. Tell God you're grateful. You're grateful for the washing from sin and being carried from death to life by the Holy Spirit because he, he did that work. And I believe a quenching will begin. If you're, if you're advancing in your sanctification, if you're, you're moving in your holiness, as you move in maturing in your holiness, credit the Holy Spirit. Thank God for that. When you show love or joy or peace, any of the fruits of the Spirit, when you show them and you know it, acknowledge God, thank God, tell God, thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus for the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I believe you'll experience that river beginning to flow. I believe you, you'll experience that parchness be, be, becoming moist. I believe you'll experience that, that meadow beginning to flourish and grow up. If you struggle with patience, if you struggle with self-control, if you need to be strengthened, seek God for help. Say, God, I need help. I need, I need a drink, Lord. I need a drink. I'm dry in this area. God, I need a drink. Help me, Lord, to be more patient. Help me with my self-control. I've lost the joy of my salvation. God, send, send me that drink of the Spirit. Refresh me with your Spirit so that my attitude softens and so that it becomes supple. If you haven't been praying in the Spirit, and I don't necessarily mean you know, praying in, in an unknown language, but just praying with the Spirit, inspiring you and moving you, if instead you've just been praying in the flesh 
Ask God to guide your prayer. Lord, guide my prayer by your spirit. Motivate me, God, by the love of the spirit. Prompt me, Lord, by your spirit. Lead me in the way I should pray. Lord, I need it. Lord, I want to pray in the spirit. Ask him for that. And I believe God will start getting that river flowing. Perhaps you need to repent of something. And here's something else. You know, simply acknowledging, praying and asking God. But perhaps you need to repent of something. Is there a barrier that has been brought between you and and this life-sustaining blessing that comes by this water of the Spirit? Peter preached in Acts chapter 3, and he said, Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Do you need that refreshing? To get that refreshing flowing, you may have to look deep inside. You may have to say, Lord, I have not been kind. I need to repent. Lord, I've neglected a gift of the Spirit that you've given me. I need to repent, Lord. Lord, I've ignored the leading of the Holy Spirit. I haven't walked in that gift you've given me. Lord, I repent. I repent before you. In whatever area of your life, if you've done that and you've taken the Holy Spirit for granted, you can turn back and repent. And I believe that stream will turn into a river. That river will will turn into an ocean that the the Holy Spirit will flood you and he'll infuse you with his life-giving water. So whether you need to just begin to acknowledge the Holy Spirit regularly or, or there's an area that you need to pray about or even repent of, you can ask him this morning. You can ask him this morning for a drink. And I put a little piece of sponge in here just a minute ago. And it's quadrupled in size at least. And holds a lot of water now. And even after I squeeze it out, you know, some of it's gone dry now. It hasn't shrunk up. It hasn't gotten so dry and crusty to be as small as it was when it started. I think that's our life sometimes. And we do have some of this water of the Spirit in various areas. But there's areas maybe deeper inside. They need to be refreshed. They need to soak that up. Get enlarged by that. Get hydrated. And isn't there some satisfaction in that? Have you ever done that with a sponge? Just taking a hard old crusty sponge and when you're running underwater, it starts to feel good. You know, it's soft and it's supple. You know what? There's an area in your your life that might need that. Do you want to get it soft and supple this morning? You know, I know there's areas where I'm dry. I'm not perfectly hydrated as I should be. There's areas I got to work on. I'm thirsty this morning. Are you thirsty? I just want to ask our Lord to, to bless us, to bless us this morning. And I just want to invite you to stand and if you want to come down and pray. We're going to sing a song. And as this song's being sung, if you want a drink, come on down. And we'll just, I think this morning we should just all pray together. You know, that we'll just pray together. You know, whatever your need is, you can tell the Lord if you got a need, an area in your life that needs a little bit of the, the, the moisture of the life-giving Holy Spirit, just come on down. We'll talk to Him, and we'll just pray together. Well, let's pray as a family. Let's pray as a unit today. Let's pray as the people of God. 
We are the people who are descended from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. We are the people of God. Let's join our hearts this morning as God's people and pray. We thank you, Lord. We stand here in your presence. We stand here in your presence this morning. Whatever your need is for all you at these altars, whatever your need, wherever you need to be saturated, wherever you need to drink, wherever you're thirsty, God, we just pray, Lord, that you would hear it. You can tell God right now, tell him what you need. If it's, a, if it's a fruit of the Spirit, if it's an area in prayer, worship, if it's an area in thanksgiving, if it's an area in acknowledging the Holy Spirit, ask him for that drink. Ask him to fill you. Ask him to touch you. Ask him to saturate you with his living water this morning. Father, we're a thirsty people in areas of our life. Lord, we pray you pour your Spirit into these areas, Lord. We pray your, your Spirit would soften and supple and, and train transfer us from dry and crusty, Lord, to be open to the Holy Spirit and to acknowledge him for all that he can do. God, for any and all that need to bear more fruit of the Spirit, oh, Father, pour into them today, God. May their cup overflow. God, I pray your hand to be upon them and to touch them, God, for any that need to exalt you more in worship and in prayer, to be empowered in their area of service or ministry, God, that they need the Spirit. Lord, if there's any who have feared and doubted, Lord, that you have marked them as children of God, Lord, any who have doubted where they are and who they are in you, God, I pray that the Holy Spirit, that river of living water would flow into them right now and bless them, God, with that blessed assurance that can only come by you and your spirit, Lord. Move among your people, I pray, God. Move among your people. We thank you for your presence this morning, God. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the Holy Spirit and all that he does for us, God. We stand here basking in his presence, Lord. We stand here and bask in his presence, Lord. Lord, we pray that we would become more aware of his presence. Let us become more aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit, Lord, and acknowledge him for what he does and who he is. He is God Almighty. He is God Most High. He is our Savior and our Lord as much as Jesus and the Father. And we thank you for that, God. We thank you for his hand of ministry, of guidance, of leading us into the truth, our comforter. Lord, if there's any in this room that need comfort, Lord, that need comfort, but they haven't received it. They need comfort, but they've doubted you can do it. God, pour your spirit now, I pray, Lord. Let that river move, Lord. Let the water of the spirit flow, God. Lord, that they could stand by faith knowing that you're there. God, Soften that area of their life, Lord. Fill it, Lord, with refreshing water of the Spirit, Lord. May we all be like trees by that river of water, God, to grow deep and strong in you, God. Move by your power. Move by your might. Move by your Spirit, Lord, over all here, God. Oh, Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Oh, Lord, you're blessed. Let us become more aware of your presence, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's just sing that again and praise the Lord as we go today. Let's praise the Lord most high. Let's thank him for his spirit as we just sing out. Give your praise to God this morning. Give your praise to him for all he's done and for the flow of his spirit this morning. The fount of every blessing, your Holy Spirit, thank you, God, for that. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, we go today graciously acknowledging you, Lord, thanking you and praising you, blessing your holy name for all you've done, for all you're going to do, for the blessing of your mighty spirit. God, as each one leaves today, Lord, I just pray that their day, that their week would be one of 
experiencing that river of life in them and acknowledging you for it and thanking you for it. Remind us, Lord, this week. Remind us, Lord, every day of our life to honor the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you. Bless your people. Your hand to be upon them as they go. May they experience your true, true river. And we pray it, God, we ask it. As you quench our thirst, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you this morning. And if anyone really needs prayer, we do have elders here that will stay at these altars. If you want prayer, you don't have to rush out this morning.